Hello and welcome to the first ever That Rugby podcast. A little different uh, to normal as you've seen before, what we've done is we rebrand. are splitting, we are doing a bit of a rebrand, splitting the podcast up so you can just listen to 30 minutes of the stuff you want to listen to. So Rugby Union mm. is the name of the game, this one. We will also be doing a Rugby League one and an American football one is in the works as well. So stay tuned for those two. But for today, it is Rugby Union. Probably the hottest weekend of Rugby Union results, so a great way to, to kick it off. The All Blacks have done me dirty again and lost to Argentina on home soil, 25-18. And the Wallabies had the Springboks walloped uh, before they allowed them mm. to score a couple of late tries to make it 25-17. So, yeah, I mean, what a weekend to kick I us off. Mean, I could just... The Wallabies did that on purpose to keep New Zealand at the bottom of the table, too, <laughs> for the forward against the French and everything like that. They just, yeah, they, helped, they, they needed to keep New Zealand down. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if Sansa slash World Rugby could have drawn up a better weekend for Rugby Union. And I know that all the South Africans are pissing themselves in the comment, the the referee, he, he, he was so bad, he should quit the game of refereeing, bro. And uh, Nick White, and you know, he's a drama queen and all that, he should go play soccer. People are talking about rugby. I had a co-worker today who she's just into rugby league, doesn't really watch rugby union. She was talking to me about the game and saying how awesome it was and Corabetti's tackle and everything like that, how uh, incredible it was and things like that. Like you think about the storylines that have come out of this weekend, right? I mean, the, the so New Zealand losing on home soil to Argentina, first of all, is his, historical unprecedented. This is a year of hi making history for the All Blacks, but in all the wrong ways, <laughs> in all of the wrong ways. And then after the game, you know, Foster saying that uh, the Argentinians were sort of pushing the boundaries a bit on refer on refereeing and calls and stuff like that. And then Checo basically slapping back saying, have a whinge, you know, whatever. He, uh, Foster's famous for having a whinge and whatnot. So we've already got that rivalry now between these two coaches that are, and they're you know going to play again obviously right um you have you know pablo matera being the poster child for why uh translocation of rugby can be so successful for uh other international rugby programs you know Checker was talking about how he was taking take them around to all the coffee shops in Christchurch and uh, he knew everyone there. But obviously the impact on the field was so much more as well. You could see that and they, they talked about it a little bit. Obviously they don't want to give away all of their secrets, <laughs> but you could see the difference that it made. Like this is a different level Argentine squad. And, you know, we saw it against the Wallabies and we sort of thought, oh, maybe the Wallabies are just back to being shit, frankly. <laughs> but I think that's probably a little bit of disrespect to Argentina now. And now we're sort of saying, okay, this 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 team can can roll. So that was the second game, but and that that was history making, right? But that's not the most talked about points of this week. It's the Springboks <laughs> and the Wallabies, for particularly two moments uh, in in that game, which was the the Fafta clerk smacking Nick White in the face, getting it wrong, penalty or yellow card there. You know, you can you can argue argue however you want. I don't. I th I think the refer. I don't think anyone though could say Nick White's acting was the reason that Faf got a yellow card there, right? I think th I think no matter how Nick White had reacted, that was going to result in a penalty because everyone and their grandma could see that 
Faf smacked him in the face there. But it's gotten a lot of media attention. It's got a, a lot of commentary, and it's gotten a lot of South Africans riled up. And uh, my favorite comment, though, has to be, I think it's John Smith's said um, <laughs> that he just killed a bit of the soul of world rugby. And it's like, tea, you know, pot, kettle, black kind of situation <laughs> with the South Africans and their antics. Uh, and then, uh, and, and to sort of cap off my little talk here, uh, is Corabetti's, uh, I mean, he's all around incredible game, but the tackle of the century, right? And a legitimate tackle. I know it looks dangerous. I thought at first it has to be dangerous, but no, it's the, the Springbok winger jumped. And Corbetti had his arm in there. He did everything. He did everything right there, and that's got people talking. You know, mostly South Africans saying it's an illegal tackle <laughs> and it should have been a penalty try. Everyone else in the world, including a lot of South Africans, saying no, that's just a great tackle. He's just a great player. And look at all the hype this has generated for rugby for the games that are coming up this week. So, you know, not only have. Uh, is, is Allianz Stadium going to be, the new Allianz Buzzing. Stadium going to be absolutely packed out, but you've got that extra edge on it now. The Springbok, quite frankly, the scoreline is flattering to them, uh, yes. right? And you can see the Wallabies in the last couple of minutes just sort of realise we've got this in the bag, whatever. They can have a, they can have a couple tries kind of thing. Uh, uh, I would have liked to see some better efforts in there, particularly from one or two players. We'll get to that. But... What a week for world rugby, what right? Like it's got people all Absolutely. over the world talking about it, and people that aren't usually into rugby talking about rugby, and that to me is it's this is probably the best weekend of rugby that we've had in years. Hundred percent. I mean, and it's hard to say when we've lost, but um, yeah, for the game of rugby, uh, an All Blacks loss, especially at this time, isn't the worst thing. But let's let's run through mm. these games. Let's kind of give our opinions on, on the situation. We'll start yeah. with the first game, South Africa versus Australia. The two key points you talked about, which are, are the two points we, we, we've seen around the world, it's quite clearly a fair tackle. Um, for those that say it's not, it's... Yeah. The arm is there. The arm is a team to wrap at that speed. You can't say it's not wrapping... I mean, I even saw someone in our comment section say it was a red card, and that's laughable. So, yeah, let's start with that one. One of the tackles of the year, if not tackles ever. Like, I think... Yeah. Again, if it, if that happens in a World Cup final to win a final type thing, it's the greatest tackle ever type thing. Like, that's what we're yeah. discussing here. Like, the only thing that stops it from being the greatest tackle ever is probably the moment. And if that leads to an Australian, you know, rugby championship win, I think... Tackle of it'll the past, this decade will probably be when we look back on it more and more. It'll be like just how you know you're a man down situation like that. Tackle of the decade type thing. Yeah, it'll and become it, one of those iconic moments for for world rugby and for and for Wallabies lore and history. But one of the things I want to highlight around that, since we're talking about sort of positive aspects of the game from the Wallabies, is that all that time it was and the reason Corbetti had to make that tackle was because the Wallabies were down a man, and so the Wallabies defended for ten plus minutes with a man down on their own goal line and didn't concede any points. Like, not even just didn't concede any tries. They conceded zero points. The South Africans had a, a few penalty opportunities to slot some kicks. And I think, actually, that really came back to bite them. Like, that's their usual... I think they got away from their game plan. That's their usual game plan. Force the penalties, kick the goals over. I think they were a little bit... Um, what's, the, what's the word for it? They... 
they probably underestimated the Wallabies a little bit uh, and overestimated their own ability to punch it in on the goal line. But you look at the scoreline, how it ended up, 25-17. to 17, And yes, the Wallabies conceded a couple last minute and you, maybe if they were under a bit more pressure, they wouldn't have conceded those tries or made those yellow card penalties because they wouldn't have been as relaxed and comfortable. But you look at the points difference, it's only eight points in there. Three penalty kicks. This game's going a different direction. And South Africa had more than three penalties, I'm pretty sure, in that yellow card time. They had at least three. Yeah. So it could be it could have been a very, very different result if they just stuck to their game plan. So I, I don't think Australia will get that lucky this week. I think yeah, I think they were rattled early, South Africa. Um where when Andre Pollard was missing kicks and it wasn't yeah. quite going, you could just t- tell the game wasn't quite going the way they expected to. They weren't scoring as easily as I don't. Yeah, again, like like you said, they I don't know they, they underestimated, but they the game definitely wasn't going as South Africa expected. Yeah. And I think that then scoreboard pressure tells all. Uh, really does in a situation like that. So I guess yeah. That was that was one of the things that the the yellow card to Nick White um, again like like you said like I think if he doesn't have the the dive situation there it probably is just a penalty um, if they go back and review it like you said Fafta Clerk got it wrong uh, you swing for the ball you miss you connect with someone's heads as soon as you connect with someone's head uh, uh, in a game of rugby at the moment now it's trouble so I would avoid doing yeah. that I've got no problem. Now with the yellow card, I've got no problem. It had been a penalty. I wouldn't have cared either way. It was. It had to be one of those two things. Um, yeah. And you can make an argument to, to each point. So I don't. I still don't think it changed the game enough. I think it was. Uh, it, it does. It's not within the sport to take a dive, but Nick White, five meters out from your own line, did what any good Australian halfback should do. Uh, but good halfback in general should what do. What any good halfback yeah. should do. Yeah. Yeah. I called protect out. the ball. And put your team in a position in the right position. So again, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a very Nick White thing, but again, it's a, it's a good halfback play there. You do what exactly? I think it's, a, I think it's a very halfback thing. Yeah. <laughs> thing. yeah, I think yeah. I if you reverse the cards there and Nick White hits Fafter Clerk in the head, I think you see the same thing happen. Exactly. And they're similar types of players. They're yep. very similar type of players. Definitely. And as well, it's also a bit of ball protection as well to go down there as well. When you're because when you get hit in the head, you're like I've been hit in the head quite a few times by <laughs> some very large individuals and you do get dazed and stunned and disoriented, right? The safest thing is to go down. He went down <laughs> dramatically, right? Anyone with a mustache like that <laughs> okay, is a okay. drama artist for sure. But it is, it is sensible to go down there and not continue running forward when you don't know where you're running, you don't know who you're running into. And you definitely don't want to pass in that situation where you've just been smacked in the face. Like, and, and you might think, oh, it's only a little tap. Even little taps to the the head, like medium blows, w- can still do that. So I, I think going down there is the smart play. Did he add some flair to it? Sure, whatever. That's <laughs> yeah, what halfbacks do. <laughs> That's what halfbacks do. You find, find me a halfback that isn't a pretty boy with some with some flair and likes to show off a bit, and they're not a halfback. <laughs> yes, I think I think it like like you said, it's a halfback thing to do. It was a in the end a smart thing to do. You you get someone yellow carded as as probably unsportsmanly as is, but it doesn't matter. You win the, you're there to win a game, you're a professional rugby player, do what you can to win a game. Yeah. You wouldn't be saying there that was... to Richie McCaw who's trying to get around the wrong side of the ruck to steal a ball, exactly. are you? Yeah, there's there's there was also a great uh, little article I think I saw written by 
Sean Maloney, Maloney the, the commentator for Stan Sport, who, who sort of summed it up best, where there was a, there was a as the um, Wallabies got into Sydney, some Springbok fans were also getting there, and they saw Nick White, and they like sort of called out to him, and like, oh, Nick, good to see you up and about. We thought you might be in the ICU, mate. And they all had a laugh about it. And that's it at the end of the day. It's a game, right? We This is a game. We watch this to be entertained. These players play it to entertain us and to... Uh, to compete and to, to make their wage. It's just a game at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's, you know, we could poke fun at each other and, and whatnot, but, you know, I think some of the reactions we saw may maybe a little over the top. Um, you know, if they, if you're going to complain about Nick White going over the, being a bit over the top and you, some of the comments I saw from people, you know, it's like a, uh, the the lack of self awareness yeah. it was, was yeah. quite funny to observe. I mean, and that's, that's, this is why it's, it's one thing to enjoy a Wallabies loss. It's another thing entirely to enjoy a South African loss. Now, I enjoy yeah. a Wallabies <laughs> loss because, obviously, I've got some Wallaby friends. It's our main rival. Yeah. But seeing South Africa lose, like, I was, I don't often cheer for the Wallabies, but I just wanted to see South Africa lose. Now, this was Ooh. obviously pre the All Blacks having the most disastrous performance of their lives, which we'll touch base on soon. Yeah. But, yes, it was. it is great to see South Africans get kind of a reality check to okay, also here. I, I must say, after this game, I was like, man, we're on trajectory for for our prediction of, of Wallabies. Yeah, of Wallabies. I said. So, with that, let's move on to the second game. Oh, well, just I do want to make a couple other points about this game yes. that I think yeah. have been sort of overshadowed by these by this drama, uh, which is sort of, and this is from a more of a Wallabies perspective than a South African. I sort of said what I thought the South Africans did bad, which was they sort of got away from their game plan, but I think you made a valid point that the kicking game wasn't sort of there for them. Things weren't quite working out, but some of the positives for the game was the involvement of Noah Lolasio having sort of more of an active hand in things, and so I feel like he had some of the uh, tension let off the leash yep. uh, compared to like the England series, uh, but I also thought uh, that the ability to, to score at the start of the game and sort of Fraser McWright was a big part of the win. I will say it's, it definitely wasn't all positive for Australia. And one of the biggest issues I had was Falau Fayangar and his line-out <laughs> throws, right? And I think he's got a role in the Wallaby squad. I don't think it's starting hooker. I think it's bench hooker coming in in the last 20 minutes of the game, getting some line-out throws um, uh, without as much pressure as like doing the first one of the game and then scoring off the back of them all. I think he's a specialist in that area. Per- as soon as Pareki came in, line-outs immediately cleaned up. Yep. Right, so much better. So I think Parecki needs to be, and I can see maybe they didn't want to rush Parecki back in after injury. I think Parecki has to be the starting hooker, fine guard, backup hooker. Uh, but I think all round it was a much more uh, solid performance for Wallabies. One of the other detri- downsides I do want to say, uh, Matt Phillip, I, he had some shiny moments, but you could see at times that the game was this level is just a step up, it's just a step too far for him. Right, there was one one of the tries that South Africa got. He's running next to the player. Yep. If you're a professional rugby player, you should be able to catch that player at that point, and he just let him run by him. Right, Nick Frost is not letting that try get in there. Neither's Darcy Swain or even Rory Arnold probably. So, yep. I think there's. I don't think by any means Australia is going to breeze through the rest of this competition. There's definitely issues that need to be worked on, but I think there was so many positives that have been overshadowed by these dramatic moments. Um, in, including and probably biggest of all was Noel Olaseo's uh, performance, and 
I know there was a lot made of Bernard Foley coming back into the squad. One of the theories I had on that is just to have another active body in camp who's a veteran who can show Noah what to do rather than bringing one of the young guys and Noah's having to mentor that person while also getting ready for the game at any, while he's in his early 20s. So uh, I like what uh, Rennie pulled out for this game. 100%. Uh, let's move on to the second game, which was yep. the disaster that is the All Blacks lost to Argentina. Now, as an All Blacks fan, I will do my commentary to start off with. Um, where to begin? To Argentina. I'm going to start with Argentina so I don't feel so bad when I actually rip the shreds off New Zealand. Uh, what a defensive performance, I must say. Uh, probably one of the more, more special defensive performance and... Uh, it must be said, they the, the, their game plan on defence was incredible to me. So they didn't attack a lot of rucks. I sat there and watched it and I just go, you're literally, you know, trying to beat 14 guys because they just weren't committing to the rucks. So they had obviously identified that and said, we're not going to do that. We're just going to let them keep coming and we're going to make our tackles. Now, David Kidwell, uh, former Kiwis fit coach, former Kiwis player, um, known hit man, uh, man you would not want to run into, is actually the defensive coach, which is a really interesting perspective because he brings a wealth of knowledge, obviously rugby league, which doesn't have any rucks, doesn't have anything like this. Uh, so his work with Checker, I imagine, is a couple of kind of, I mean, evil masterminds as now I see it, uh, working <laughs> in a little lab, just coming up with the greatest plays to, to, to screw the All Blacks. Um, second, so that's that's the first big thing. Obviously, Boffelli, we, we selected him in our, our Sansa yep. XV. If you haven't seen that, jump on that video where we select our Sansa XV. But uh, his kicking, again, it was very South African. They get in the right positions, put themselves in the right positions, score off, uh, score points off that. I think he scored 20 of the 25 points. So he ticked over the scoreboard. Another fantastic performance from him. There were some big names and big players out there. Kramer, I know. Uh, Kramer made 26 tackles. Uh, I don't think missed a single one or maybe missed one. Um, the captain, Montoya, another fantastic performance. But to all and your I, Argentinian fans. And I think Montoya as well, who we did select in our extended squad for our uh, Southern so Hemisphere yeah. team. He had a had a great game 100%. Uh, as well. So... We know what we're talking about, guys. You know, we didn't just pull those names <laughs> out of our ass. We, we, we do. But now now onto the deeper meaningful about the Argentinians, okay? You've become like the Irish. And I said this to the Irish. I said, you've become too good that I can't like you anymore. When I see Argentinians getting in the face of Aussies, I enjoy it. I, I revel in it. When you get in the face of our All Blacks and you're beating us, I don't enjoy it. Now, Now, I could handle that. I could handle all of that. If you had an Argentinian national coach who'd be, you know, singing along with the national anthem, but you've got a fucking Australian standing there and the worst type of Australian, a Michael Checker, who knows just how to row us up. So, yep. Argentina, this is a warning. This is a warning from the sports booth, lad. Don't <laughs> go too far. I want to continue from half liking the you. Booth. Half from, from these half only the sports booth. Only my point of view. Uh, don't go too far. Do not go too far. Draw the line, all right? You know, you've had your win. It's famous. It's a victory. Take it. Let us beat you by 50 points and feel better about ourselves, all right? I'm sending a message now. I have never met an Argentinian I didn't like. Don't change that now, Pablo Matera. So that's what I've got to say for the Argentinians. Let's move quickly on to the all-black side of things. Now, holes all over the world. Um, holes all over the all-blacks, over New Zealand. Issues, issues, issues. Uh, big one, and it hasn't been one for a while, but is our reserve hooker. Uh, we've tried Dane Coles. Dane Coles is getting too old. 
Uh, still a fantastic footballer, and I think he will be probably still the backup there. Samasoni Takahihau, the starter, may as well play 80 minutes at a national level because Cody Taylor came on and had one of the great bedshits of New Zealand rugby. And it's unfortunate because I believe he was hooker of the year last year or two years ago, something like that. Um, and he's just fallen off a cliff. And you could start to see he had his moments with the Crusaders where he was really good and then would have a bad game. And I'm not saying, again, he's been a professional. He's done it at this level for a while. Uh, but that is a massive issue for ours, for our team at least. Front row, we're, we're all right. We're getting some of those younger props I think where we're actually sitting for the All Blacks is at a generational dip. So we're seeing the likes of Sam Whitelock, Dane Coles, Cody Taylor. These players are moving on. And the ones that are coming in are either quite youthful. We've got even Bowden Barrett, you know, Richie Mwanga, who have been doing this for quite a while. They're out getting into their late 20s, early 30s, um, where, you know, this team four years ago or this team even 10 years ago... Um, leading on, or I should say six years ago, to the 2015 and 2011 World Cups, we're looking at, you know, kind of those players building and starting to peak at the right times. I feel like we're at a generational dip where it's kind of like Adi Sevilla and then it's like a bunch of young guys and then a bunch of older guys kind of built around mm. his generation. So I'm, I'm hopeful for the future. I think we are, it's funny to say it, I don't think it's ever been said by the All Blacks, we are at a rebuilding phase. And I'm not... Mm. I'm not. I'm not yet to jump. I'm not going to be jumping on the Ian Foster out bandwagon because he's here to the 2023 World Cup. I'm living with him. I don't mind it. I have zero problem. I think it's time, which we don't often do, to blood younger talent. So I suffer more. I want him back in the All Black squad. I just want to see some of these guys going out there, fresh blood, doing what they do, uh, doing what they do best. For this game, we can. T- I. I I'm a bit nervous. I'm very nervous when he's in rugby. It was meant to be Joe Schmidt uh, is obviously planting his seed in there with attacking, but the attack looked dull. Like, when you came from watching the Wallabies game and you saw that try with uh, Fraser McWright, the second one, where you can see they're building something. There's some attacking weapons. Mm. Every time you kind of watch the Wallabies, there's some attack. I, I still think the All Blacks are stuck in. We're individually brilliant. We'll beat you at that. And we saw it with like Caleb Clark down the sideline, Geordie Barrett's run. There are they have individual brilliance that that breaks team. But I still just lack, I lack seeing a game plan where we turn that into a winning, you know, game plan. I just see mm. let's be individuals. Let's try and get a win. So a lot to improve on. I think for the All Blacks, it's not the end of the world. It's it's good for world rugby. It's terrible to be an All Blacks fan, but I do believe. This is a dip rather than a decline. I think there will be a time when we come back. Now, saying that, there's a big week ahead of us with both these teams running it back, like you said. I think the buzz for the rugby championship, it is an all-time high. I don't think even you have to date back to Tri-Nations when, like, way back when, like, you know, every team could win it. We're at that situation Mm. again, and it's good. Like, Argentina have never been a chance to win it. They are a chance to win this. There is no doubt in my mind that... They could beat us again if they play the way they did. There's no doubt in my mind that they could beat South Africa twice if they play this way as well. So, I don't know. It's it's a, it's great for rugby, but it's killer for myself and the rest of New Zealand at the moment. Yes, I can <laughs> I can imagine. I I do have a, a quick question for you though, right? Oh God. One of my bold predictions was that this year would be the year the Wallabies reclaimed the Bledisloe Cup. If the Wallabies reclaim the Bledisloe Cup. Are you on the Ian Foster outbound? Yeah. 
Brother, if we lose the Bledisloe Cup, I will tattoo Ian Foster out on my body somewhere. That's how I. Are you? Lose, are you, I, brother? I will do that. I will do that live on Instagram because we are not. You heard good. it here. I didn't even ask for it. I didn't even ask no, for it. I just. We're not I asked lose for a Bledisloe. What was that? Okay. Okay. I'm not going to lose a Bledisloe. You, 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 you baited me in, and I've taken the bait. I'm not. I'm not even going to hide from the fact that I'm a fish right now. I am a fish swimming in the sea. I'm, I'm Dora the X Y. Wow. Oh, well, no, Dory. What is it from Finding Nemo? I'm just going to keep swimming yeah. until the All Blacks can get me a win, and they best not, best not blow a bladder slow. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's not even like. I mean, okay, fine. Ian Foster out tattooed on Luke live. On Probably Instagram. on the bottom you of my it. foot, so it eventually fades out. Okay. I was just. Gonna, I mean, uh, if I was going to make you do anything, I would have just made you wear like a piece of Wallabies gear, like we did in the in our Dragons and Titans one. You'd rather a tattoo on Ian Foster uh, out. Wow. Yep. Well, there you go. There you go. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I do. I do think that's that is. The line in the sand for New Zealand rugby. There has to be. There has to be a line somewhere where patience runs out, right? Where you can all the not all the excuses in the world don't matter anymore. And you know, even as a Wallabies fan, you know that that line is the Bledisloe because of the the history. Like you will be forever remembered as the coach who lost the Bledisloe, right? Yeah. That is, and then and Dave Rennie. It, I tell you what, it doesn't matter matter what Dave Rennie does for the rest of his career if he can recapture the Bledisloe national hero. Hundred percent national hero. It's like my Michael Checker, even though he didn't have the huge success with the Wallabies, he brought a title to the Waratahs. He will go down forever in Waratahs history as the coach that finally brought us the title. Right? There's yep. no matter what else he does, and no matter what the struggles he had with the Wallabies, I will always love Michael Checker for that. Right? Yep. So that's that's that is the line in the sand, and arguably, and and well, not even arguably, but obviously, the Bledisloe one is way bigger than the Waratahs winning a title. That's way bigger, more more years, more history, bigger stage, everything. So that's the can line. We, in the, that's the line in the sand. Can we just decide though, and and this is an on that pre point, how disappointing it's going to be when the Bledisloe for Australia is being played in Melbourne in front of a half-full stadium rather than at the new Allianz on a Thursday yeah. night. Like, fuck, they really didn't think about that. They didn't think the Wallabies were going to be any good when they were planning that because imagine a Saturday... I don't know I don't know what order it's in. I'll, I'll quickly Google it um, when, when we jump onto our next points. But I don't know what order it in. But say it's the second game. Say you've gone to Eden Park and you've just lost, you know? Or even if it's the first game... It's the first game of a Bledisloe. The All Blacks are coming off the back. Let's say they just beat Argentina of two wins out of four games. I know we're currently sitting at 33% for the year. You tell me that on a Saturday at a new Allianz Stadium, packed out, full venue of, of Wallabies, you know, frothers just wanting to see them actually get a win and with a chance to get a win. And imagine if they do win with let's say it's one or let's say it's the second yeah. game and it's to win the Bledisloe. If it's the second game, I, I'm sure it's the first. I'm 99% sure. Because if it's the second game, it's the biggest, it's the second biggest bed shit in all of rugby other than um, the one I just mentioned before because <laughs> it is it is just dumb. Like if it's the second game and they're playing it in Melbourne on a Thursday, it can't be. It just can't be. It must be the first one. Yeah, I'm just Googling it here quickly. Yeah. Uh, Bledisloe Cup Shixers' first test is in Melbourne. Second Melbourne, test okay, cool. is in uh, Eden Park. 
Oh, yeah, which it makes a bit more sense because imagine if, if the first one was in Eden Park and then the second one was there, but that makes mm. sense. But even that, imagine the first one. Let's say, let's say the unthinkable happens. You beat the Springboks. We lose to Argentina again. You're telling me that first game in the Bledisloe Cup with the All Blacks at like a 25% win rate for the year wouldn't sell out, you know. You could just about sell out uh, Allianz and, and, no, is it a core? Head out to a core and you could yeah. sell out 80,000. Like, it's it's getting to that kind well, of so- level. Yeah. They sold out Allianz for the South Africa test, right? Exactly. So, so. That you, can, you can do it and charging higher prices than Justin Bieber. So... Mm. You know, it's not. They're not even stinting on the the ticket prices, and it's sold out. Uh, but yeah, imagine you put a 100%. like a bargain, you know, bargain ticket price for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, that. Uh, circle back to my point. That's the line in the sand for for New Zealand. And Luke's set his has <laughs> set how firmly he believes in his All Blacks, and we'll see how that plays out. Yes, yes, we will. Uh, let's just touch base quickly on the domestic game, the MPC in New Zealand. Uh, there's two points I want to touch on quickly. Uh, let's go three points. The first point is the absolutely fantastic rugby we've seen in there. It's, it is such a different game. Like I don't know you could even call it the same sport as the All Blacks and, and, and rugby championship level. It's just so different. I know it is the same sport, but it's free-flowing rugby. Uh, it's very different. The skill levels are different. It's fantastic to watch. Some of the best rugby I've watched, NPC. Northland scored a try, uh, which was just remarkable. Waikato scored a try that was just remarkable last week. I was like, okay, I love this level. Who doesn't le- love this level? It seems like any regular <laughs> punter and dribbler... Um, from New Zealand because goddamn I watched Wellington play Taranaki, you know, which is a four hour drive from us, so one of our close arrivals. And I want to say there was about five hundred people in the thirty five thousand Westpac Stadium. It was I wanna say probably the most embarrassing thing I've seen on a rugby stadium venue set up. Um because they have bright yellow seats, it's this big circle and you just have plods of people mm-hmm. around. Uh, it yep. is just disappointing. I think Shoot Shield would get a bigger crowd for a regular game than what the NPC is getting at the moment. So, whoever's the brain trust there, I know they've got the the money coming in and it's going to fund that. Whatever they need to do, and people cannot tell me it's oh we need All Blacks playing in that. Let's just just look at this Wellington lineup: TJ Perinara, All Black, Aidan Morgan, first five, uh, Hurricanes, T- uh, Peter Umanga Jensen, All Black, Billy Proctor. Hurricanes. Nahem Mildeskada, Julian Savia, the two wings, all blacks. Like, you just look at that, Connor Gardabashup, mouldy all black. That back line has, you know, four out of seven of them are previous yeah. all blacks. One's a mouldy all blacks and two are playing for the Hurricanes. So don't tell me, oh, we get all the all blacks. Like, again, this is why I think there has to be some fear in the Australians going super rugby we're pulling out because the MPC... Yeah will not benefit from it. Like, we're thinking it will because, oh, yeah, we'll play it over the, 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 rugby, the, 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 the super rugby season. It just won't work. So that's, that's my kind of negative point from the NPC. I continue to see week after week. The last point I do want to talk about, though, for the NPC is a couple Aussies playing in it. So if you didn't know, there are three Australian players, from what I can see at the moment, uh, there may be more hidden, but the, the three I noticed, Jackson Pugh and Connor Vest, uh, playing for Auckland uh, in the NPC. Jackson Pugh started every game at number eight, and Connor 
is a lock who's come off the bench, I think, for, for most of the games. And then uh, an interesting one is Joey Walton, who plays for the Bay of Plenty. Um, and, and the interesting thing, like I, know, I, I put a post up on, about this on our Instagram page, was they're missing their finals or, you know, their rugby club rugby seasons. And Joey Walton's a really mm. interesting one because now his Gordon side, which is, you know, his side for the Shoot Shield competition, have just made the grand finals. So, you know, like... How is that affecting him? Is this going to make him a better rugby player? I must say he's played some fantastic rugby over there. If I'm a Waratah supporter, I now look at the loss of Alex Newsom and don't mind so much because of the way yeah. he's playing. I think it's great for their footy. It's just interesting on the shoot shield that probably the best player, I would just about say, in that game, I know there are a few some very good players still playing in that final, but you could argue Joey Walton could have been the, one of the best is it playing in it? So it was just an interesting point. Uh, saying that there is a shoot shield final in Sydney this weekend. Uh, it is Gordon yeah, versus Gordon's Varsity. So there's a there's a rule around, um, I guess rugby where I play, and I know it's uh, especially same over here. It's anywhere anyone bar university. Uh, if you yep. agree with me and hate the university clubs, then yeah, anyone bar the universities. So hopefully Gordon gets up. Um, even though I don't really mind, but yeah, yeah, I will finish us off with a top five and my top five this week in the rugby world. Now you actually mentioned it earlier, and I thought it was a good point. It's Bernard Foley has has made a comeback. He's made a comeback to the Australian lineup. So I thought let's have a look at the top five comebacks, either players or games. In world rugby, uh, number five. You've probably never heard of this game, but after reading a bit more into it, it was a hell of an interesting one. Chile versus Uruguay in 2007 in the South American Rugby Championship. And you go, well, interesting. The final score was Chile 34, Uruguay 35. At half time, Chile were up 27 0 and wow. in their whole history had never bet Uruguay. So up 27-0, never bit Uruguay, managed to blow it 34-35. Congratulations, Chile. Yep. Four in my top five is a former Wallaby doing a very similar thing to Bernard Foley. It's quite Cooper who came back yeah. into the Wallaby squad, quite famously um, picked up by Rennie and kicked a winning penalty last time South Africa were playing in Australia. In number three... We have a Rugby World Cup semi-final in 1999, Twickenham. It's the French versus the New Zealand where heartbreak for the New Zealanders against the French again. Uh, I believe we were up 24-10 at one stage uh, with about 25 minutes left and managed to lose 43-31 and what can only wow. be called as a massive capitulation of New Zealand rugby. Uh, Usually number the French are the one capitulating, so... Exactly. That's what I thought when I was reading through that. Uh, and number two, I thought a great comeback story, probably the best comeback story just in terms of feel-good, uh, Jonah Lomu, when he came back and actually mm. played some games after being diagnosed with uh, his kidney issues, um, he came back on the field, managed to make a return, and which was one, uh, may have not been the most successful return, but it was one of the better stories for such a legendary player. And finally, the number one comeback that I have ever witnessed slash read about. And if you haven't seen this game, it was Ireland versus New Zealand, November 24th, 2013. Now let me pick, paint the picture for you. 2013, yep. 
New Zealand have had an undefeated international season. So that hasn't happened often if ever before. We have never lost to Ireland. We are losing 17-22 as time expires. We move multiple phases. I want to say it's just about 20 plus. Um, we are down 22-7 at half time to me mention this. To come back and on the last play, I believe Dane Coles gives it off to Ryan Crotty to score in the corner. Conversion happens. Cruden misses. But the Irish have charged too early, so Cruden gets a retake, knocks over the conversion. The All Blacks come back and beat the Irish. And boy, yeah. I haven't heard that for a while. <laughs> no. So that are my top five comebacks. Two months. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, yeah, that's, that's a good list. That's a good list. I, I can't say I disagree with it. Excellent. Well, that is that is us today on that Rugby U podcast. Uh, we will be obviously back again next week and watch will be, I hope, just as uh, as exciting and as much information and as much storylines as we've had this week. Mm. Uh, but now, for now, thank you for joining us and make sure you come back again next week. See ya. Peace. <laughs>